ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze, quad to elephant, see? Look on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. Listen to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. All right, folks, as you know, as you know, Shaggy's Soul Shakedown is every Thursday. Every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on mutinyradio.fm. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Good evening, afternoon, San Francisco and beyond. It's Monday. It's time for the Joke Workshop. I'm filling in for Pam. She's not feeling great. It's Arden, your favorite late-night talk radio host guy, uh, doing the night space on Wednesday nights, 10 to midnight, here on Mutiny Radio. And, uh, yeah, I'll be hosting the open mic as soon as the comics show up. So uh, there's nobody here right now. I'm going to give it about mm, 20 minutes at the most. And if nobody's here in 20 minutes, we'll go ahead and close it down. But otherwise, I'm open for business if comics show up. And how Joke Workshop works is uh, you get up, you do a set for about four minutes, and then uh, you get four minutes of feedback on your uh, set. And uh, we're going to be nice to each other and provide a good old 
uh, compliment sandwich of uh, what you did good, what could use some improvement, and then uh, what you did good some more. Anyway, uh, like I said, that'll happen as soon as we get some comics in the room. I'm just waiting for that right now. So in the meantime, uh, I'm going to let uh, the uh, late night whatever on the breaker run uh, for a little bit here. Instead of this song, because I think the C- CD repeats pretty qu- frequently. Anyway, I'm just filling uh, dead air here. So let me uh, stop talking and uh, fade something else up here on uh, Muni Radio, mutinyradio.fm. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, March 16th. It was damp in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 11.45 p.m. when we got to where we'd parked our car. Second in Maine. Couple of drops on the windshield. Yeah, I hope it holds off. I was thinking of going out to see the Cubs and Pirates play an exhibition game tomorrow. Guess maybe now I won't. You might be lucky. What's the weatherman say? Oh, get the radio. Yeah. It's a slow night. Yeah. Uh-huh. Might not be tomorrow night. What? March seventeenth, isn't it? Oh yeah. Sixty-two A, call your station. All units in vicinity of 102 South Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. It's a hard one. All units in vicinity I'll of 102 South you. Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. Unit 13, take the call. Happy St. Patrick's Day. 11.58 p.m. We arrived at 102 South Virgil, the Bartlett Hotel, four-story building. Sergeant Scheimer met us in the lobby and informed us that the shooting took place at 11.40 p.m. in room 432, occupied by Mr. and Mrs. Theodore V. Benham. Mrs. Benham was the victim. We went up to the fourth floor where Officer McCready was stationed outside the room. Any witnesses? Only Benham says it was a thief. You talking to the people on this floor? None of them saw anything. They're all in their rooms. Any other way out of here? That stairway in the rear leads to the roof. I took a look. Nothing up there. Mm-hmm. Where's Benham? Across the hall, lying down. Cox is with him. Okay. Let's look at the body. We went into the room, a dreary place with a single light hanging from the center of the ceiling. The carpet was faded and worn in spots. On the north side were a closet and a bathroom. Against the east wall was a dresser. Across the room was a double bed, and at the foot of the bed, a window looking out over the roofs of adjoining buildings and the marquee of a movie house down the street. A steamer trunk was in the corner and a straight-backed chair was next to the door. The mirror of the dresser was smashed and on the dresser, a Gideon Bible. On the bed was the body of a woman sprawled face down. There were several splotches of blood on her coat. On the chair was a thirty-two twenty revolver, which McCready said belonged to Benham, the husband of the murdered woman. We asked McCready to put in a call to the crime lab and we went across the hall to question Benham. This is an awful shock. I'm not feeling well. I'm under doctor's care. Hemophilia. Awful shock. Sit down, please. Yes. I... I don't know what it'll do to me. I should be in the sanitarium right now. We'll see you taken care of. Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. Could you tell us what happened tonight? Why, yes. We... My wife and I went out to the Sycamore Cafe over in Alvarado. What time was that? Oh, about 9.30. We had a cup of drinks and something to eat. Listened to a piano player, then came home... 
I unlocked the door and Elizabeth went in first and went over to the dresser. I just walked over to her when a man stepped out of the closet in back of us. He had a gun. Uh-huh. Can you describe him? I don't know, I don't know. Did you see his face? No. He had a blue bandana over his face and he had a cap on, a blue and white check. Did you notice his clothes? No, no, I didn't. Anything else? He seemed very nervous and he wasn't holding the gun still. My wife was opening a purse and I said, well, I haven't got very much, but I'll give you what we have. And he fired and hit Elizabeth. I pulled my gun from my overcoat and started shooting. Are you in the habit of carrying a gun? No. No, no, I noticed suspicious-looking men following me lately, so I bought one. Is uh, this the gun here? Yes. Then what happened? Well, I fired all the bullets. I don't know how I missed the room. Small. He kept moving around all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I did miss. Then he ran out of the room. But how old would you say this man was? Officer, I haven't the faintest idea. I'll see you a minute, Sergeant. Sure. We'll be back, Mr. Benham. This has been an awful shock to me. wonder how his wife felt. McCready told us that Sergeant Shimer had found a woman in the Nevada hotel next door who might know something. Who went next door and questioned Mrs. Caroline Cromwell, a resident of the hotel. She occupied room 415 on the top floor. She told us that about 20 seconds after she heard the shots, she looked out the door of her room and saw a man come down the back stairs, which leads to the roof of the hotel, and enter room 402. She'd seen the man several times and was positive of her identification. Sergeant Shimer said the man was registered as Jack Morrison, who went to room 402. Try it again. Who's that? Police officer. What do you want? I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I was going to bed. We'd like to talk to you. Won't take very long. All right. What do you want to know? How long have you been in your room? About ten minutes. Why? Where were you? To the movie. Which one? Right down the street. Why are you asking me all these questions? You been drinking? A little. Not much. Mind if we look around a little? I was out all the time. I didn't know nothing about a shooting. Then you won't mind if we look around. You won't find nothing here. These all the clothes you've got? Yeah. Is this your coat? Yeah. Yo. Mm-hmm. You were wearing this tonight, were you? No. It's the only coat in the closet. What'd you do with the coat you were wearing? Guess I was wearing that one. Just spill it? What? A bottle of whiskey. It broke. How? How do I know? Got a hole here in the sleeve. What'd you do with a broken bottle? Threw it away. Where? I don't know. On the street. Joe, I found something. A shirt. Stuck down between the wall and the bathtub. Looks like blood on it. Is this yours? Where's the shirt you wore tonight? Take off your pajama top. Why? Take it off. All right. But I didn't have nothing to do with that shooting next door. What happened to your arm? Guy shot at me. Who? I don't know. I bought a bottle and had a couple of drinks and went to the movie for a little while. Would you mind moving away from the bed, please? No, no. Thank you. I came out of the movie because I was getting dizzy and I went up on the roof here to get some air. While I was standing there, a guy ran across the roof and shot at me. What'd the man look like? I don't know. He came from the roof of the hotel next door and ran into this place. How big was he? 
It was dark. I couldn't see. What'd you do? Well, after I was sure he was gone, I came down. I was going to have my arm fixed in the morning. Better get your clothes on. Why? Well, you got a pretty bad arm. You better have it fixed up. We'll take you to George Street Receiving Hospital. It's all right. I don't have to go there. Find anything, Ben? No. You got a clean shirt? No. Well, you better wear your pajama top, then. Oh, here's something. What did you say your name is? Jack Morris. Here's a card I found in the closet. It says, Tommy Kane, report for work, Joe's Cafe, 8 o'clock, March 1st. Who's Tommy Kane? That's me. Where are you from? Elgin, Illinois. How old are you? I'm 22. Why'd you leave Elgin? No work. I've been bumming around. You ever been arrested? I was picked up on a vague charge a month ago. Here? Yeah. I don't know why you guys are bothering with me. When somebody gets shot, we bother. 1.30 a.m., we took King to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, where they found that a muscle in his upper right arm had been severed and the right side of his chest was bruised. Before taking him to Ward 1300 General Hospital for further treatment, we took him back to the roof of the Nevada Hotel. Still trying to rain. Yeah. Well, where were you standing when you got shot at, King? Right over there. I was leaning against the bricks. Where'd the man come from? Out of that door in the other roof. Roof of the Bartlett Hotel? Yeah. Was he running when he shot at you? Yeah, yeah, he was. Where'd he run? Right across here where we are. Then he went through this door here into the Nevada Hotel. Did you notice anything unusual about him? Well, his face was covered with a handkerchief and he wore a checkered cap. Thought you said before it was too dark. I could see that. I mean, you know, I could see that. I couldn't see his face. And you were standing over there by the parapet? Yeah. About, uh, about, about here? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get over the roof of the bar. It's a little high. Can I help you over? No. Come on, Ben. Ever been in this hotel before, Kane? No. Everything all right, McCray? Yeah. Crime lab's here. Checking the murder room. Ben, I'm awake. I think so. Mr. Benham? Yes? Mind if we come in? Of course not. You ever seen this man before? Let me see. Can you stand over there in the light? My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. Okay. Move over there. How's that? That's better. This the man who shot your wife? No, that's not the man. We left instructions for another car to take Theodore Benham to the Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. We took Kane to Ward 1300 General Hospital. 2.42 a.m. We arrived back at the Bartlett Hotel where police chemist Ray Pinker had finished his examination. Three slugs, 38 caliber, and five slugs, 3220, were found in the mattress and the walls, all on the same side of the room. On the floor of the room were found a piece of white cloth and some brown threads. Ray Pinker returned to the crime lab while Ben and I made a search of both hotels, the incinerators, the alley, and all likely places for the missing 38. It was not found. 3.48 a.m., Ben went to the record bureau to check on any possible criminal record Kane might have had. 
I went to the crime lab to see what Ray Pinker had found. Yeah, nothing on this one. Must have been a clean miss. And yeah, nothing on these four thirty-two twenties. Hmm. Where'd you find those? I dug the thirty-eight out of the window frame. Thirty-two twenties are in the south and east walls. How about the others here? Well, on these two thirty-eight slugs, I found minute portions of threads. They compare with the dress and coat one of the deceased. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hey, Ben. I checked Kane's record. He told the truth. Nothing more than a vague charge, huh? Yeah. How's this come? There's threads on two of the thirty-eight slugs. And on one of the thirty-two twenties. Yeah. Same kind of threads? Yeah, same kind. Thirty-two twenty. That's the gun Benham used. Yeah. Did you check the cloth yet? I will right now. Benham must have been shooting off a while. Where'd you find that thirty-two twenty slug, Ray? On the floor near the bed. Nothing on any of the other thirty-two twenties. No. Yeah, this piece of cloth matches the shirt. How about the coat and those threads? Got only a couple of threads that might match. Let me have a coat. Yeah. We better have Benham take another look at Kane, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I could use a cup of coffee. How about you? As soon as we get finished. How about it, Ray? I'm gonna make it. Yeah, they match. Well, that's it, huh? Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Fresh stains on the carpet of that room. What kind? Whiskey. March 18th, we picked up Benham at Lincoln Sanitarium and drove him to the General Hospital. Three times he asked us to stop someplace so he could have a drink. We told him he'd have to wait. We arrived at Ward 1300 at 1.40 p.m. and Kane was brought out. Take a good look, Mr. Benham. All right, we didn't think it was going to happen, but apparently it's going to happen. It's the Joke Workshop here on Mutiny Radio. we got three comics. We're going to do three sets. I'm not going to bother you all with my comedy because I'm too stoned. All right, so your next comedian, he is from out of town. He, it, well, he's from, he's from here, but he's back. I don't know. He's got some sort of story. Maybe we'll hear it. Maybe we won't. Anyway, give it up for the one, the only, whatever your name is. Wow. You guys, if you want to know how to know when you're succeeding in comedy, it's, um, it's that introduction just now. It's fantastic. My name is... I, I could literally say any name right now, huh? This is exciting. That's good. This is mysterious. My name is Pam Benjamin. Uh, th- thanks, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me after my, my voice has changed. Um, my name's Chris. This feels super weird uh, to even be standing up right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down, and uh, this will be interesting. It's kind of like AA, but we have a microphone. Um, thank you, thank you, you guys. I've been doing comedy off and on for ten years, ten years. So for any uh, new comics out there, let me be your inspiration. Okay, if you stick with it and you're st- just starting in ten years, you can be right here. You can be doing what I'm doing again. Um, yeah. So so don't quit and don't kill yourself. Um, no, it is nice to be here. I'm, fr- I'm from Washington, D.C. now. Uh, and uh, hey, what's up, man? This is, uh, this is a radio show, right? People are listening to this? Okay. All right. 
Thank you. Thank you for everyone who um, is actually doing that. I'm, uh, I'm from Washington, D.C., where, um, like here, weed is, uh, is legal now. That's nice. Uh, it's weird in a, legal in a weird way, though. Uh, it's like sex. You um, can give it away. You can receive it for free, but you can't do it in public. And if there's money involved, it's illegal, technically. So, um, so it leads them to creativity when uh, purchasing marijuana. Um, my favorite way to do it is to say, uh, hey, I bet you $50 you won't put a bunch of weed in my hand. And then um, usually works. Loopholes. I'm getting older. I'm balding. Um, which is actually, it's actually nice. That's a nice thing about getting older. I'm in my early 30s, mid-30s-ish. Um, see, I'm no longer, no longer premature balding now. Now I'm just regular balding. Standard. Oh, this is good. Um, I wrote, I wrote new jokes. Saw something crazy on my way over here today. Just now I saw a lady an old lady crossing the street and a car came by and uh and hit her it was terrible then some people got out of the car and they just started beating the shit out of this poor old lady and then stole her purse and drove away it was terrible it was traumatic now there's lots of people to blame on many sides on many sides okay like yeah there's a driver who hit the lady and there's the people who beat the shit out of her but but she didn't have a permit and um she was in the way I heard that she was cranky earlier that day, so. Topical, thank you, thank you. You know you're killing it when no one responds, but you get verbal descriptions of the, the jokes. It's just accuracy, yeah. <laughs> Affirmative. Affirmative. Oh my God, how am I doing? How much time do I have? I want to do so a tight So the horn tight means 30. a minute. What's that? When you hear the horn, it's a minute. Okay. So you've heard the horn. I actually haven't I haven't heard the horn. It sounds like this. Oh. I thought there was like a duck in the studio or something. Thank thank you. So you're at thirty. It's a good it's a good rule of thumb though. If you um if you ask how much time you have left, that means you have a minute left, right? Yeah, is that the rule? That's the rule. Great. Thirty seconds. Um Oh god. I don't know, guys. Um You know, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll tell this one thing. Relationships are crazy, am I right? Yeah. Um, you're asked interesting things. I just got out of a relationship, a uh, long-term relationship. Ask the, the darndest things. I was asked at one point, uh, Chris, where do you keep your loofah? Why don't you have uh, a man loofah? And I was like, babe, don't worry about it. I, I do have a man version of a loofah. Uh, do, you, do you know want to know what a man loofah is? It's, uh, it's your loofah. It's yours. Thank you. That's it. Great. All right. Now stay up there for comments. Do I have to do that? Yes. I constructive. Have, I'm required to do this. Constructive, constructive criticism from our, our, our excellent panel of comedians out there. Uh, somebody, come on. I, I like the loofah joke. Thank you. I like Thank God. <laughs> Thank God I said that one. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I only came in uh, like halfway through, but uh, I enjoyed the second half. That, thank you. Thank you. That's honest. 
second half. All right. I think you played uh, the the audience really well. I think you had very little to work with, and you thank sat you. down, which was very polite of you. That, thank you. And the Donald Trump joke was also very topical. Thank you. Yeah. What Great. Was the, what was the balding joke again? It was a premature. I'm getting older, so I'm no longer premature balding. Now I'm just yeah. regular balding. I like that. I think it's funny. Thank you. I feel like there's a lot uh, to mine with balding. Um, but yeah, how can you even have... Oh, not to yours, but to mine I could dig deeper into. Yeah, I... I was going to say, you have a beautiful head of hair. I'm going to be bald because my family... It's too early for you to make balding I, jokes. I think I, think I got look, like two years and then I'm balding. I don't so know, man. I'm always mining... They balding. might work, but you might piss some bald guys off. Like, this guy has a beautiful head of hair and he's complaining about balding? Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Give it, you'll get there. You'll get I'll, there. I'll hide yeah. for a couple of years. Sure. And I'll That's fair. All right. So, yeah, the loofah is good. You just need some tags. Like, yeah. you also have a man toothbrush and a man tampon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's interesting. That's also I could, yeah, that shouldn't Very just be a one-off. Huh? I can right. build on that. Do the, do the samurai wrap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be the third. You got to build it. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain it. Okay, explain so it the thing is, the, the joke with tampons is that female... All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, 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 let us all know your name. My name's Chris Blackwood. I used to host a show here at Mutiny Radio. It was called Blackwood Down. It played uh, in 2012. Thank you very much. Um, and there's old recordings of it somewhere on the internet. Awesome. Well, we'll let Pam know you stopped by. Please. I hope she listens to this. And uh, uh, good luck on all your sets tonight. Thank you. Give it up. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Your next comedian. Uh, She's very funny. Uh, I'm legally bound to say that. Uh, Give it up for the one, the only, Trina Roger. Thank you, Arden. I, uh, you know, it's, thank God it's Friday. That never was going to come. Seriously. What? Raise the roof. No? All right. So, uh, I was, how are you guys doing? I, 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 my tendency is to be too self-absorbed. So I was, I was about to start in with my joke and then I was like, no, let's see how this crowd is shaking out, up, down, sideways. Now I'm just playing with saying words goofy and seeing if that makes you laugh. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I was, uh, I was watching a, a TED talk on uh, female body image. How sad it is that women have uh, so low body image, which is pretty much the same bullshit I've heard my entire fucking life. Like, have you guys not? Like, did you get where you were? Zach, you were born. Boris, Chris, you guys were born hearing about how women have these negative body image issues, right? Like, what? how did that strike you in your adolescence? Like, weren't you? That had to have been confusing. That had to have been okay, wait a second, why would the person who occupies that body that gives me a boner feel so shitty about it? That makes no fucking sense. Or did you think about it at all? No, you it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I also had a podcast. I'm restarting a new podcast at the beginning of September. Yeah. And uh, I said on the podcast that 
I am hot. And it's not okay to say, though. No, 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 you didn't say it, I said it. It's okay, Chris, relax. Right? So on the one hand, which is no big thing. I mean, it's nothing. It's shit. It doesn't make any, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean what everybody thinks it means. But anyway, but my point is that what the fuck? We have negative body images issues because we're not allowed to say shit that's positive about our own fucking bodies. It's like, can't we expand the context of this conversation and stop putting the focus entirely on women and why let's talk about the fact that the reaction is so bad when we're actually truthful about like we can't actually say that or we're conceited and we're like we're all we anyway so i'm actually here chris to promote the show (laughs) you're right well, yeah, except for it's not as funny as I was hoping it would be. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that doesn't happen. I chicks aren't funny. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's no comedy in stand-up in, in open mics. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. So here's a here's a joke I'm gonna work on then. For let's do a legit joke. So I couldn't find my phone the other day. But I had my wire, I had the music playing and my wireless headset on. And I realized I was basically playing a game of hot or hot and cold with my phone. Like I would hear the music fade out. Like, okay, I'm getting too far from the phone. The phone's not in the back side of the house. I'm done. I don't need a whole nother minute. I could do another minute of crowd work. How Zach's back. Zach's back after he brutally destroyed my set last time, Chris. Chris, Zach was like, I would cut it. I'd get rid of it. Let's just dump that whole fucking piece of shit. Like, get the whole fucking A to Z gone. I know, right? I'm, 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 gonna, I'm trying to do more crowd work. Anyway, thank you so much. It's so good to see you guys. I'm so glad I'm, I'm here, and I'm super, like I said, super excited about the podcast. Starting uh, September 5th. Tuesday, 10 to 12. What's the name? I, you know, I haven't decided exactly. I'm thinking about calling it Quantum Division, but I don't know yet. All right. Give it up for Trina Roderick. Thank you. All right. I'm going to bring up the mics and feedback. It's a really interesting observation that we're supposed to have high esteem, but we're also supposed to be sort of modest and self-deprecating. And... Yeah, that's a really interesting observation that you should keep that you should build on because that that that's the premise for a, a bunch of really funny jokes. You haven't figured those ones out yet, but but the premise is more important, I think. So just keep building on that. Thank you, Zach. Oh my God, so much more supportive. Thank you so much. Um, I <laughs> thought when you were talking about like <laughs> how bad must you have been last time. Dude! Well, I did hit him. Look, Chris, in his defense, I hit him in the head with a microphone. On purpose. Trina, that's exactly. admission. That's admission. No, that's exactly. admission. They can pull that into court. Exactly. That's that's what's called not... Right. Exactly. He was like, yeah, fuck that set. Y'all need counseling, I think. That's, that's kind no, of... No, we got this. Um, I think Chris is... That's what Chris is here for. To help me and Zach work out. Our issues. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, when you were talking about the negative uh, uh, body image issues and uh-huh. stuff like that, um, 
where my mind went to a little bit was flipping it and being like how that could actually be a good thing um because that's kind of where my mind went to because it's like mm-hmm. obviously it's a bad thing but like i don't know may i think there could be some um something to mine like well it, the way it, okay let me let me t- when you say good thing now one of the things that i run across that i'm concerned about is that uh one of the myths about well it's not necessarily it may or may not be a myth i don't actually know but the the general collective understanding is that if a woman has massively low self-esteem and massively low body image issues she's gonna fuck everybody like she's gonna be more promiscuous than someone who doesn't right so generally it's my experience with men that they would prefer to think of me as having low body image issues because then that makes it more likely that I'm gonna go off the rails and fuck somebody that I wouldn't otherwise fuck. Right? I so think, sorry. Go ahead. I think there might be an opportunity in adding some uh, examples, some illustrations to uh, this, this point you're trying to make okay. uh, that are like just illustrative in, in a ridiculous way, all right? So like mm-hmm. you could talk about how hot you were or how hot some other girls are, like little girls, which is funny in itself, describing the attractiveness of a, a child uh, in a creepy I way. I, I don't think I could do it. But, but maybe, no. okay, but where I'm going with this is a mm-hmm. kind of diff- different way. You can okay. nix that first right, part. Right. But just like add, add illustrations, examples. Um, you can talk about how there's right. there could be a, like a nice looking girl and she has like the coolest lunchbox in class and yeah, these awesome pigtails and she has low self-esteem while there's, you know, fat Charlie over there who is like picking his nose and eating it and he uh, gets all the chicks or something or like okay, I, I, I don't know yeah yeah, yeah I'll Maybe think about it I'll definitely think about it it's not funny at no, all yet gonna, but no, that's no, 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 the well, premise some of this stuff I'm yeah. definitely going to be talking about on the podcast and I would sure. also like to in addition to the podcast and yeah. talking about these kinds of issues on the podcast mm-hmm. do some really experimental, experimental sort of sexual open mic stuff yeah like, illustrate the contradiction Right, yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Okay. I just right. want to stand up for all the nose pickers. Um, we also okay. have nothing wrong with the nose picker. You have low self esteem? I didn't realize. Nose picker myself. I'm a nose picker too. You just you got to be like sly about it. I know, I know. I'm sorry, Arden. I know we're off the rails. Clever. But look, honestly, the main. I really feel compelled to help the nose pickers. I really want to create a podcast that helps both men and women, particularly men. Get their sexual needs met. We're here. Just not with me personally. No, you guys have some seriously intense sexual needs. Come All on right. now. All right. Bye, All right. Next up, your next comedian. Uh, let's do Boris. Boris! Thank you, Arden. Yeah! Come on, there's three of us in here. See ya, Chris. Um, I feel like we could get a lot of energy in here. We could do a lot of good here. We could do a lot to save the world. Don't you look away, Zachary. I'm right in front of you, sir. You cannot look away. I was actually two blocks away from here. I saw a whole parking spot, like 20 feet long, blocked off by one motorcycle. It wasn't like 20 feet long. I exaggerated. But this big parking spot taken up by this one motorcycle. It's crazy. It's fucking annoying. That's what that is. So I just took my motorcycle and I drove away because that was. 
Bam, bam. I don't know. I had a bad start to my day. I uh, I hit a bicyclist. I hit a bicyclist, and uh, it was an accident. It was an accident. I didn't mean to punch him, but that's what happened. That's what happened. I don't know. I like ice cream. Do you like ice cream? Yeah, everyone likes ice cream. You don't like ice cream? You're a monster. You're a monster. Frozen yogurt. See, okay, see, we're working. This is how solutions are made. This is how peace and compromise works. Listen up, all you Mutiny Radio listeners. This is how progress happens. Um, so I like ice cream a lot. But I find that whenever I'm eating ice cream, there's always the point where it doesn't, it's not about the ice cream anymore. It's about digging up all those marshmallows and peanut butter cups. It's the, the ice cream is just in the way and it's got to go. Something's got to happen to it. It's got to go somewhere and it's going to go in my belly. That's where it's going to go. There's no joke there, but it is a thought. And hence, that's what's going to happen. Um, fuck, what, what do I want to work on? There's some shit that I was like, hey, hey, let's let's see where this goes. Um, and then you just blink on it when you actually have a microphone. Um, uh, I accidentally keyed my own car. That actually happened. I was standing by it, and I was walking away, and the key, I, and it wasn't my car, it was my brother's car, and I don't know how you, I don't, like, it's really embarrassing to have to come home and tell my brother that I keyed his car, so I just keyed a swastika into there, and I was like, oh, it's a hate crime, that's what that's gonna be, that's what that's gonna be, um, oh, you ever listen to a song so much that you get sick of it? That happens. That's how I feel about the Star Spangled Banner. That's mainly why I agree with Kaepernick. I actually agree with him on the other shit too. But also, the song's gotta go. How many artists how many artists do we have in America? We have Rihanna. We have Shakira. We have fucking the dude, the Mambo number five dude. <laughs> I'm sure we could come up with something better than fucking ramparts and missiles and You put that horn down, Arden! Arden, you put that horn down. Okay. What, what, uh, the, the. Hey, this happened. I matched with the same person on four different dating apps, which is like the universe's way of saying you're on too many dating apps, dude. <laughs> like you should not stick to one or two. That's, um, mm, that's not funny. Oh, God. Why didn't I fucking proofread this shit? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I try to make home homemade kombucha. I try to make kombucha at home, but, ju- but it just tastes like a store-bought crap. I don't know if that anyone relates to San Francisco to kombucha. All right. I have nothing else. Thank you guys for listening. Give it up for Arden. Arden, Arden, Arden. All right, Boris. I just quick thought, Boris. Um, Arden. Yeah, uh, one, it sounded like, to the radio audience like you were trying to take a poop. Uh, What's that? Y- you sounded at the end like you were trying to take a poop. As I you, am. Yeah. Uh, are you? Trying to take a poop? Yeah. Arden, okay. I'm right here. All right. All right. Uh, anybody, thoughts, comments? Yeah. Um, Compliments. This is a very interesting observation that it's all the shit except for the ice cream that you're actually trying to get to. Um, maybe there's an analogy there. I feel like you're, you're like, it's kind of like... Yeah, 
I don't know. Something by like coal or some shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I was trying to like, figure that out. Yeah. Like maybe it's kind of like a gold digger. And then you can be like like a, yeah. a hot girl or make an Are you? There. What are you implying here, Zach? I'm just being sexist. Is, um, but anyways, that's it. Yeah, thank you. Others? Nothing else, because I killed it, Arden. All I right, to know. give it up for Boris. Even though I was pooping, I killed it. All right, your next comedian was just giving nice, helpful comments. It's Zach. Keep it going for your host, Pam. Oh, shit, Arden. This actually happened to me last night. I met a dude, and he's and I told him where I work, and he's like, "Oh, I just sent an email to you guys like a week ago, and nobody, and I haven't gotten a reply yet." And I'm like, "Oh, dude, that's me. I'm the dude who's supposed to reply." And that that that's just that that happened to me last night, and I feel like there's material there. Um, uh, Boris, do you remember like a couple weeks ago? I, there was, I, I brought a friend here. Her name was a- Amy Randall, and and she's like, "Yo, who's that cute dude? That Jewish boy?" And and yeah, you. Who else, dude? Come on, man. And did she ever text you? No. no all right. All right. I just, dude, I'm just kidding. Just fucking with you, man. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. So that actually happened. Seriously. Um. Uh, okay, I'm just going to describe my Saturday. Like, you know, it's like 2.30 p.m. Like, you already smoked a doobie and jacked off twice. It's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do the rest of the day? Like, all the good things that could have possibly happened in the day have already happened, you know? Like, and then you get invited to a party at like 11. It's like, the fuck are you supposed to do until 11? Why are they starting parties at 11? I don't know. Um, do, do you guys remember like in the good old days when it was we like your password was just a word like mine was baller because I thought it was a baller turns out I was wrong should have been like not a baller and then like they made you put numbers on it they were like it, I was like baller 69 because I was like I'm the only person that knows about 69 Turns out I was actually right about that because no one even does that shit. That's just mythology, or is maybe I'm wrong about that. And then they and then you're like and then they made you put like special characters on that. They're like baller sixty nine exclamation point poop emoji dick pic. And and then you're and then they're like sorry that that that's that's not a special character. That's like a regular character. And then and then they started making you do like secret questions like which of the following five pictures does not include a brick building and then you're uh, like which of the following pictures like includes a building and then you're like is that exposed brick or just Donald Trump's face you know it's unclear and then they're like, what's your, and then they made you answer questions like, what's your, what was the name of your first pet? Let's just go back to talking about Boris's uh, fucking sex life right here. That's way more interesting. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, 
Um, so what, what, what's your name? John. What's up? John. How's it going, John? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. John, it's a nice T-shirt, dude. Did you get that at the? It's gray. Oh, really? Because <laughs> yours is shitty, dude. Come on, it's like. 1500 count cotton like probably from Egypt or like somewhere in like where they make beautiful cotton that um all right guys this is this set was amazing uh Zach Foster thank you so much all right give it up for Zach all right any helpful comments I got it um I thought it was a great joke to talk about my sex life because that's what that is but more importantly I want to ask how long have you been uh, doing comedy sporadic no, okay i was just gonna say that um i mean uh i'm pretty sure too but i w i just want to say that like for example when you say when you say questions like w i think the best way of approaching that like to make it um easier to talk about things is j like you can ask questions but then answer them yourselves because that's where the joke is obviously like for uh, like something you said about a party like who starts a party at 11 who starts a party at 11 like keep it going like answer your own questions or even don't phrase it as a question um, and then I think it'll just like flow better and then it'll seem like you're just talking to like your friends and that and then that in itself like it's easier to communicate funny through that than like just like hey what's the deal with um, that's just my perception but feel free to say fuck off so yeah. anyone else what do you, the party started at 11 maybe talk through some of the other stuff like and put it timestamps on it like well that's, that doesn't make any sense because if the party doesn't start until 11 the fight's not going to break out till 2 and the drunk chick's not going to throw up until 4 that's way too early in the morning for drunk chicks I mean you know what I mean like how, what happens at a party and anyway it could be a drunk guy too it doesn't need yeah. to be a drunk chick I just want to say on behalf of all the drunk okay People. I just, as a chick who can handle her liquor, I resent the chicks who can't. Oh, I just want to be clear. Of us a bad name. I was not making, no, or I, I was not no, assuming no, 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 I'm not or implying. I'm not, I'm not, I, I just not. want to be clear. All right, enough cross right. talk. I'm pulling it. All right, give it up once more for Zachary Farser. Uh, John, you want to go? Yeah. All right, John. Thank you. Um, so I'm like kind of unemployed right now. And so on Thursday I went in for, or on Wednesday I went in for an interview and the next day they brought me back to do a training. Um, and then I, I was gone all weekend and then I called them today and they were like, hey, um, we're really sorry, but we like really needed someone. So we actually gave the spot to someone else. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but they were like, we're still going to pay you. Um, and so that's tight. Because I love getting paid for standing around and nodding when people tell me how to do things. I really think I might have a potential career as a trainee. I'm really good at getting trained. Watch this. Tell me where the forks go. Just make up where the forks go. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. When's, uh, do you do checks or direct deposit? Cool. Um... So yeah, I think I'm gonna look into that a little bit. It's not as bad as being fired. It wasn't, I didn't get fired, they just fucked up. 
you ever get fired and you're like, it, it was clearly on their to-do list for a while and the conversation is just pretty casual and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, you're, uh, you're super fired. You're extremely fired. You're so fired that other people are fired for not firing you earlier. That's how fucking fired you are, you piece of shit. Um, I, uh, do you think, do you think rich people ever like, like, you know how hot people sometimes say they're ugly so that people tell them they're hot? Do you think rich people are ever like, I'm so poor and their friends are like, no, you're not. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. That's why whenever someone tells like someone like you have a beautiful home, I'm like, why is that necessary? No one's like, you think so? Is it? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I guess it is a mansion. It, it is a mansion, you're right. I do live in a mansion. Um, do you think, uh, oh, here's what I was, yeah. So, I, I, li- I like to shit on cops a lot. I don't like cops. But the thing is that I, that I like, don't think comes across sometimes, it's like, I, be- like, I think bo- policing is a cool idea in theory. Like, as much as a, of a bleeding heart liberal as I am, like, yeah, bad guys, they got to go somewhere. I get it. But what's fucked up, I think, is that, like, is that there's only one group that's allowed to do it, and they're fucking terrible at it. They really, really suck at it. That'd be like if the only place you could get pizza was Pizza Hut. And I know what you're thinking is, come on, John, Pizza Hut's not that bad. And you're right, but if it was the only place you could get pizza, it fucking would be. It would be so bad. They would just... Be like, this pizza's covered in blood. There's not even any meat on it, just blood. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we do that, and you owe us $1,000 for pointing it out. So, fuck you. Um, I, met, I met, a guy, met a guy the other day named John, and I'm John, my name's John. And so I was, I was like, he was like, I'm John, and I was like, I'm John too. And then a couple second minutes later, he started calling me Johnny. And I was like, you like to be called Johnny, don't you? You wanted, you want to get that going. Or you think I'm a fucking child and you want to differentiate yourself. Um, oh yeah, I just want to tell this like short little story. I don't know if it would ever work, but it'll maybe entertain you guys. You guys know who Immortal Technique is? Rapper Immortal Technique. Um, so I saw him perform live once at a um, music festival in at Shoreline Amphitheater. But the thing was that it was his slot was like during the day. It was at like 2 p.m. and people were like had like their fucking picnic blankets out and were like having a nice time. And then Immortal Technique comes out and just does his you know Immortal Technique. He's just the darkest fucking awful. And then he does the the, the song, the mom rape song. You familiar? song about the dude that's like this guy was in a gang and they told him to rape someone and then he realized he accidentally raped his own mom and it's like really unpleasant and like he like you can't get mad at him for it because he says like and it's bad that he rapes his own mom so you're like yeah yes it is bad um and so he does that song at like 2 p.m not a fucking not a cloud in the sky beautiful day plenty of people just ruining their acid trips and um afterwards (laughs) afterwards he goes uh Sometimes when I play that song, people come up to say, me and say, Immortal, Some, things like that things like that don't really happen, do they? And I say, shit like that happens every day. <laughs> um, so that's all I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Dead girls don't say no. Dead girls-
All right, feedback. Uh, I'm gonna say I liked um, I liked a lot of it. Uh, the one thing, uh, rich rich girls being poor. So I grew up ar around people who used to say the following. Uh, I'm so poor right now. My credit card's maxed out till my daddy pays it off at the end of the month. So you can use that. Yeah. <laughs> Others. I love the immortal technique story. That's fucking hilarious. Thank you. I don't know. If, if I ever see someone in a te immortal technique shirt, it's coming out. But other than that. Yeah, like I imagine that wouldn't come across the. Guide the whole song blasting in my head <laughs> as you were doing it. But yeah. Um, and I thought that getting fired, someone should get fired for not firing you. It's pretty fucking funny. Oh, thank so, you. yeah. Yeah, well, poor, poor, rich people pretending to be poor, poor is, an, is just an ocean. And, I mean, you, you know, you can, I don't know, I would, I would just build on that. Like, you know, just, just you know, you spend five, $300 on jeans that are ripped and, you know, you, 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 know, you, you buy, like, fucking T-shirts that have holes in them and, and all. Just, just, just keep going with that. Like, I don't know. It's just so true. Just so true. Well, I mean, along that logic, like, you know, what else are they going to buy with holes in it? You know, yachts that are already sunk. It's funny. I like that. <laughs> Just like really like, f like fucked up decrepit mansions. Yeah. Torn down. Yeah. Just like, our, we got a new place and it's really nice, but it's haunted. It's like, oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, no, we had it haunted. We hired someone to haunt it. <laughs> Dude, I just, I, I, I like danked out my closet with like, like lots of cockroaches and rats. Check it out. I don't know, just yeah. riffing. Speaking of, that's unrelated, but you can buy a bunch of ladybugs at, at, yeah, like Orchard Supply for like $10 or something. You can just buy a bunch of fucking ladybugs if you have no any No way. Yeah, everybody should know that. Oh my God. That's cool. Uh, so really basic, and I don't mean to insult you by pointing these two things out. No. One is you got on stage and immediately started on your material before, just stand up there for a second, like let us just kind of transition from you not being on stage to you being on stage. Just right. a cut, it doesn't take too long. Um, Richard Pryor used to, before he started any material whatsoever, he would get try to do some crowd work and get a joke. Get them laughing, get them united and laughing before he told his first plan, plan to joke. Now, I'm not suggesting you go to all that, right? Mm -hmm. But at least give us a second. Like, I, you were halfway through your first bit before I was like, wait, what is he talking about? It was just too yeah. much too quickly, and I just needed a second to kind of... Mm -hmm. Anyway, and then in the... the um, what was the, uh, the rapper joke? Anyway, the rapper... Immortal technique, yeah. Pause. You ran really quickly through that punchline right now one, the, the um shit like that happens every day so pause a little bit more because if you pause more and build some more tension they're gonna laugh at whatever you fucking say. i mean whatever you say we're ready to laugh the mm -hmm. more tension you build right because all he is here's this you've got to set the scene which is a rapper yeah. in santa cruz on a sunny two you know two o'clock afternoon it's awesome mm -hmm. yeah and then enjoy saying it really get into shit like that happens every day i mean like really get the emotion is into a, it is that a good immortal technique impression Does no i have know? no idea well right whatever just get into the emotion of it and mm -hmm. anyway great great stuff. i i cool. too think you're uh, very similar to richard pryor if i can add <laughs> cool I think 
Alright, give it up. Alright, uh, I won't trouble you with my comedy tonight. Uh, anybody else? Anybody left? No, alright. Well, this has been Joke Shop. I Joke Shop. This has been Joke Workshop. Ivan Arden. You don't want to hang out? I haven't hung out with you in forever. I haven't seen you. Oh, you got somewhere to be. That's all right. That's okay. Anyway, uh, I'm lonely. No, I uh, give it up for yourselves for coming and hanging out and sticking in there, troopers. Yeah, and uh, this has been Joke Workshop. I've been Arden. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with Pam, ben- Pam Benjamin, feeling better. Uh, stay tuned, because next up is some stuff. But first, I want to plug something that's going on here in San Francisco. Uh, the 2018 Comedy Fest, third annual. Uh, it's going to be March 1st through the 5th. Five days, 25 shows, 40 comics from the USA and beyond. And it's here at the Mutiny Radio, uh, 21st in Florida. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff. So check out mutinyradio.fm to get more info. And, uh, yeah, you can submit yourself. Submissions are now open for that. So go to mutinyradio.fm and look for the submission info there. Also check us out on the Facebooks. And uh, I think we're on the tweeters. Uh, and you can find me, Arden, at ardencomedy.com, A-R-D-I-N, comedy.com. And I have two books out, High Time Storytime, Volume 1 and 2, both on Amazon.com, both for digital download. Uh, so I've been Arden, this has been Joke Workshop, this has been MutinyRadio.fm, and you've been a wonderful audience. Good night! a podcast. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat.
do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Well, hey there, 
San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue. San Francisco is located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Anything you try has already been done before, and there's nothing really you can do about it. So remember to avoid taking risks and to whisper into feathers together in the dark. It's the right thing to do, and viewers like you. Wheeling Circus is in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad to elephant, see? Look on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. Listen to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. All right, folks, as you know, as you know, Shaggy's Soul Shakedown is every Thursday. Every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on MutinyRadio.fm. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to JohnStraussLaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. A woman has been shot to death. The apparent motive, robbery. The killer's still at large. Your job, find him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, Fatima is the king-size cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild, to give Fatima a much different much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all, long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, March 16th. It was damp in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 11.45 p.m. when we got to where we'd parked our car. Second in Maine. Couple of drops on the windshield. Yeah, I hope it holds off. I was thinking of going out to see the Cubs and Pirates play an exhibition game tomorrow. Guess maybe now I won't. You might be lucky. What's the weatherman say? Oh, get the radio off. It's a slow night. Yeah, uh Might not be tomorrow night. What? March 17th, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 62A, call your station. All units in vicinity of 102 South Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. It's a hot one. All units in vicinity of 102 South Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. Unit 13, take the call. Happy St. Patrick's Day. 11.58 p.m., we arrived at 102 South Virgil, the Bartlett Hotel, a four-story building. 
Sergeant Scheimer met us in the lobby and informed us that the shooting took place at 11.40 p.m. in room 432, occupied by Mr. and Mrs. Theodore V. Benham. Mrs. Benham was the victim. We went up to the fourth floor where Officer McCready was stationed outside the room. Any witnesses? Only Benham says he was a thief. You talk to any of the people on this floor? None of them saw anything. They're all in their rooms. Any other way out of here? That stairway in the rear leads to the roof. I took a look. Nothing up there. Mm-hmm. Where's Benham? Across the hall, lying down. Cox is with him. Okay. Let's look at the body. We went into the room, a dreary place with a single light hanging from the center of the ceiling. The carpet was faded and worn in spots. On the north side were a closet and a bathroom. Against the east wall was a dresser. Across the room was a double bed, and at the foot of the bed, a window looking out over the roofs of adjoining buildings and the marquee of a movie house down the street. A steamer trunk was in the corner, and a straight-backed chair was next to the door. The mirror of the dresser was smashed, and on the dresser, a Gideon Bible. On the bed was the body of a woman sprawled face down. There were several splotches of blood on her coat. In the chair was a 3220 revolver, which McCready said belonged to Benham, the husband of the murdered woman. We asked McCready to put in a call to the crime lab, and we went across the hall to question Benham. This is an awful shock. I'm not feeling well. I'm under doctor's care. Hemophilia. Awful shock. Sit down, please. Yes. I... I don't know what it'll do to me. I should be in a sanitarium right now. We'll see you're taken care of. Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. Could you tell us what happened tonight? Why, yes. We... My wife and I went out to the Sycamore Cafe over in Alvarado. What time was that? Oh, about 9.30. We had a couple of drinks and something to eat. Listened to a piano player, then came home. I unlocked the door and Elizabeth went in first, went over to the dresser. I just walked over to her when a man stepped out of the closet in back of us. He had a gun. Mm-hmm. Can you describe him? I don't know, I don't know. Did you see his face? No. He had a blue bandana over his face and he had a cap on, a blue and white check. Did you notice his clothes? No, no, I didn't. Anything else? He seemed very nervous, and he wasn't holding the gun still. My wife was opening a purse, and I said, well, I haven't got very much, but I'll give you what we have. And he fired and hit Elizabeth. I pulled my gun from my overcoat and started shooting. Are you in the habit of carrying a gun? No. No, no, I'd noticed suspicious-looking men follow me lately, so I bought one. Is uh, this the gun here? Yes. Then what happened? Well, I fired all the bullets I... Don't know how I missed the room. Small. He kept moving around all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I did miss. Then he ran out of the room. But how old would you say this man was? Officer, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, see you a minute, Sergeant. Sure. We'll be back, Mr. Benham. This has been an awful shock to me. Wonder how his wife felt. McCready told us that Sergeant Shimer had found a woman in the Nevada hotel next door who might know something. We went next door and questioned Mrs. Caroline Cromwell, a resident of the hotel. She occupied room 415 on the top floor. She told us that about 20 seconds after she heard the shots, she looked out the door of her room and saw a man come down the back stairs, which leads to the roof of the hotel, and enter room 402. She'd seen the man several times and was positive of her identification. Sergeant Shimer said the man was registered as Jack Morrison. We went to room 402. Try again. Police officers. What do you want? I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I was going to bed. We'd like to talk to you. Won't take very long. All right. 
What do you want to know? How long have you been in your room? About ten minutes. Why? Where were you? To the movie. Which one? Right down the street. Why are you asking me all these questions? You been drinking? A little. Not much. Mind if we look around a little? I was out all the time. I didn't know nothing about a shooting. Then you won't mind if we look around. You won't find nothing here. These all the clothes you've got? Yeah. This your coat? Yeah. Yo. Mm-hmm. You were wearing this tonight, were you? No. It's the only coat in the closet. What'd you do with the coat you were wearing? Guess I was wearing that one. Just spill it? What? A bottle of whiskey. It broke. How? How do I know? You got a hole here in the sleeve. What'd you do with a broken bottle? Threw it away. Where? I don't know. On the street. Joe, I found something. A shirt. Stuck down between the wall and the bathtub. Looks like blood on it. Is this yours? Where's the shirt you wore tonight? Take off your pajama top. Why? Take it off. All right. But I didn't have nothing to do with that shooting next door. What happened to your arm? Guy shot at me. Who? I don't know. I bought a bottle and had a couple of drinks and went to the movie for a little while. Would you mind moving away from the bed, please? No, no. Thank you. I came out of the movie because I was getting dizzy. I went up on the roof here to get some air. While I was standing there, a guy ran across the roof and shot at me. What did the man look like? I don't know. He came from the roof of the hotel next door and ran into this place. How big was he? It was dark. I couldn't see. What did you do? Well, after I was sure he was gone, I came down. I was going to have my arm fixed in the morning. Better get your clothes on. Why? Well, you got a pretty bad arm. You better have it fixed up. We'll take you to George Street Receiving Hospital. It's all right. I don't have to go there. Find anything, Ben? No. You got a clean shirt? No. Well, you better wear your pajama top, then. Oh, here's something. What did you say your name is? Jack Morris. Here's a card I found in the closet. It says, Tommy Kane, report for work, Joe's Cafe, 8 o'clock, March 1st. Who's Tommy Kane? That's me. Where are you from? Elgin, Illinois. How old are you? I'm 22. Why'd you leave Elgin? No work. I've been bumming around. You ever been arrested? I was picked up on a vague charge a month ago. Here? Yeah. I don't know why you guys are bothering with me. When somebody gets shot, we bother. 1.30 a.m., we took King to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, where they found that a muscle in his upper right arm had been severed and the right side of his chest was bruised. Before taking him to Ward 1300 General Hospital for further treatment, we took him back to the roof of the Nevada Hotel. Still trying to rain. Yeah. Well, where were you standing when you got shot at, King? Right over there. I was leaning against the bricks. Where'd the man come from? Out of that door in the other roof. Roof of the Bartlett Hotel? Yeah. Was he running when he shot at you? Yeah, yeah, he was. Where'd he run? Right across here where we are. Then he went through this door here into the Nevada Hotel. Did you notice anything unusual about him? Well, his face was covered with a handkerchief and he wore a checkered cap. Thought you said before it was too dark. Well, I could see that. I mean, you know, I could see that. I couldn't see his face. And you were standing over there by the parapet? Yeah. 
about, uh, about, about here. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get over the roof of the Bartle. It's a little high. Can I help you over? No. Come on, Ben. Ever been in this hotel before, Kane? No. Everything all right, McCray? Yeah. Crime lab's here. Checking the murder room. Ben, I'm awake. I think so. Mr. Benham? Yes? Mind if we come in? Of course not. You ever seen this man before? Let me see. Can you stand over there in the light? My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. Okay. Move over there. How's that? That's better. This the man who shot your wife? No, that's not the man. We left instructions for another car to take Theodore Benham to the Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. We took Kane to Ward 1300 General Hospital. 2.42 a.m. We arrived back at the Bartlett Hotel where police chemist Ray Pinker had finished his examination. Three slugs, 38 caliber, and five slugs, 3220, were found in the mattress and the walls, all on the same side of the room. On the floor of the room were found a piece of white cloth and some brown threads. Ray Pinker returned to the crime lab while Ben and I made a search of both hotels, the incinerators, the alley, and all likely places for the missing 38. It was not found. 3.48 a.m., Ben went to the record bureau to check on any possible criminal record Kane might have had. I went to the crime lab to see what Ray Pinker had found. Mm, nothing on this one. It's been a clean mess. And nothing on these four thirty-two twenties. Mm-hmm. Where'd you find those? Dug the thirty-eight out of the window frame. Thirty-two twenties are in the south and east walls. How about the others here? Well, on these two thirty-eight slugs, I found minute portions of threads. They compare with the dress and coat one of the deceased. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hey, Ben. I checked King's record. He told the truth. Nothing more than a vague charge, huh? Mm. How's this coming? There's threads on two of the 38 slugs. And on one of the 3220s. Same kind of threads? Yeah, same kind. 3220, that's the gun Benham used. Yeah. Did you check the cloth yet? I will right now. Benham must have been shooting awful while. Where'd you find that 3220 slug, Ray? On the floor near the bed. Nothing on any of the other 3220s. No. Yeah, this piece of cloth matches the shirt. How about the coat and those threads? Got only a couple of threads that might match. Let me have a coat. Yeah. We better have Benham take another look at Kane, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I could use a cup of coffee. How about you? As soon as we get finished. How about it, Ray? Mm, you better make it. Mm. Yeah, you match. Well, that's it, huh? Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Fresh stains on the carpet of that room. What kind? Whiskey. March 18th, we picked up Benham at Lincoln Sanitarium and drove him to the general hospital. Three times, he asked us to stop someplace so he could have a drink. We told him he'd have to wait. We arrived at Ward 1300 at 1.40 p.m., and Kane was brought out. Take a good look, Mr. Benham. No, that isn't the man. I'm sure of it. All right, Kane, tie this handkerchief over your face. No, no, this way. That's right. Now put on this cap. Okay, now stand over there, please. 
Or a little further. That's good. All right, Mr. Benham. You know, his eyes and forehead look a little familiar, but I don't know. Oh, my nerves are all shot. I can't be positive. I'm a sick man. All right, Kane. Wish I could help you, boys. So do we. Come along, please. Yeah, you don't have to take me back to the sanitarium. Just take me to your streetcar. I'll make it all right. Good day, Kane. Sergeant. Yeah. Can I see you a minute? Sure. Did you notice anything when you first brought Kane out of the ward? No. You must have been closing the door. Yeah, I was. And that man, Benham, he winked at him. You are listening to Dragnet, the case history of a police investigation presented in the public interest by Fatima Cigarettes. If you smoke a long cigarette, it will be in your interest to listen to a typical case history of a Fatima smoker. It's the case of Dick Hyland, sports columnist for one of the great Los Angeles newspapers. This is his actual signed statement. Do I smoke a lot when I'm reporting a close ball game? You bet I do. Do I still enjoy smoking when the game's over? Right again. Because I smoke a mild cigarette, Fatima. No other king-size cigarette tastes so good is as mild as Fatima. I agree it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. And so do more and more smokers every day. Actual figures show extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. The king-size cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. You will prefer Fatima's much different, much better flavor. You will agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. The best of all long cigarettes. We took Benham back to his sanitarium. On the way, he asked if he could be excused from testifying at the inquest and preliminary hearing. We told him it couldn't be done. 7 p.m., Ben and I returned to the general hospital and took Kane into a small room adjoining the prison ward. After three hours of interrogation, he stuck to his story. Cigarette, Kane? Thanks. How's arm? All right. Hurts a little now. When are you guys going home? When we get a straight story. I've been telling you all I know. Yeah, you've been telling us the same story for two days, but it doesn't hold water. What do you mean? How do you account for the fact that parts of your clothing were found in that room? I told you before, you must have made a mistake. No, no, it's no mistake. And Mr. Benham's starting to think he recognizes you. What? Why'd he wink at you? He didn't wink at me. We got somebody here who saw him. And he seems to think whoever did the shooting didn't take the gun with him. When we drove him back to the sanitarium, he asked us if we found it yet. He thinks we will. How long has Benham lived in L.A.? A long time. How long? Why do you want to know how long he's lived here? Is a dead woman really his wife? Well, certainly she's his wife. Why? Where's he been since the shooting? In the sanitarium in Eagle Rock. What's the matter with him? Hemophilia. You know what that is? No. You sure that was his wife? Positive. She wasn't a stool pigeon? Stool pigeon? Where'd you get that idea? You guys never saw her before? Never. You never heard of her? Kane, what's eating you? Did you check on her? We always do. Don't make mistakes on anything like that, do you? No, no. Look, she was a pretty nice woman from all we could find out. Happily married for 30 years. Something's wrong. What, Kane? What's wrong? 
whole setup. Yeah? Yeah. What Benham say about me? We told you. He says you look a little bit like the man. Did you say anything else? He winked at you, Kane. Why? She wasn't a bad-looking woman. Wasn't she, Kane? All right, now how about it? You guys swear that was his wife? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you where the 38 is. Where? The mattress on the roof of the Nevada hotel. Benham cut a hole in it that day. He told me to hide the gun there after the shooting. All right, let's have a look. I don't want anybody to know I'm telling you this. Why? Benham's a real smart guy. He's got a gang. He's in on it as much as I am. Yeah? He double-crossed me. He tried to kill me. I'm going to jail. He's going with me. Maybe he will. Kane told us that he had known Benham for about two months. During that time, Benham helped him along by giving him a couple of dollars every once in a while. On March 11th, Benham got Kane a room in the Nevada hotel and gave him $20 to buy a gun, which Kane did. On March 15th, he gave Kane a blue bandana and a checkered cap. On March 16th, he told Kane that he'd been sent by a gang in Chicago to kill a woman who was a stool pigeon. He promised Kane $100 for his help. Early that evening, Benham told Kane how to enter their room and where to hide. When they came home, Benham stood by the door. Kane stepped out of the closet and, after a few words, shot the woman. As he moved toward the bed, Benham started shooting at him. Kane ran from the room and hid the gun in the mattress on the roof, then went to his room and flushed the cap and bandana down the drain. 11.15 p.m., Ben and I found the gun where Kane said it would be. 38 Special Detective, Colt Revolver, 2-inch barrel, number 381327. 11.52 p.m., we checked and found no evidence that Benham belonged to any kind of a gang. March 19th, 9 a.m., Ben and I reported into homicide and picked up Captain Steed. We went over to Dr. Wagner to learn his autopsy report. It showed that the deceased had been shot three times. Two 38 slugs and one 3220 were recovered from the victim's body. They were initialed for evidence. 8 p.m., Captain Steed, Ben and I went to the sanitarium and told Benham that there were a few angles we wanted to clear up before the inquest next morning. Benham got dressed and we drove back to the Bartlett Hotel. It was raining. I'm still trying to remember what happened. I was very shocked that night. Yeah, I suppose you were. Well, sometimes my memory comes back for a little bit. The red line? Yeah, I see. You know, the man who did the shooting knew you lived in room 432. And he knew you'd be gone that night. How do you suppose he figured that out? Well, I've been noticing that a lot of men have been following me. Suspicious-looking men. I told that to Sergeant Friday, didn't I, Sergeant? Yeah, that's right. Must have been one of them. You ever give money to characters on the street so much they might follow you? Hey, that must be it. Many times I used to do that. I'd be nice to them. They'd try to make friends. You remember any of them? Yeah, yeah, I do. There was a uh, man Dorsey and Jolly Swanson and a fellow named uh, Kane. Blaine. Kane? Yeah, that, that's it, Kane. There you are. There you are. Uh, the young man you took me to see in the hospital. I, I, I'm thinking, I believe that's Kane. Are you sure? Quite sure. He's the burglar. What makes you think he was a burglar? Well, what else would he be? He didn't rifle any of the drawers or steal anything, did he? he must have got there just before us. Did you have anything important there? Uh, yes, some insurance policies. And your wife? Yeah. How much? Well, one policy for 4000 and two for 2500 each. Who's the beneficiary? Well, I am. took Benham up to room 432, where he got out the insurance policies on his wife and showed them to us. Then Captain Steed asked him to reenact the shooting. Benham acted as the killer. I played Benham. 
and Ben acted as his wife. Well, uh, the man was over here in the closet. My wife and I came in that door, and then my wife went over to the dressing room. Oh, over here? Did you turn on the light? Oh, yeah, and then I closed the door and went over behind her. Like this? Oh, uh, she was closer to the bed. Uh, here? Yeah. Were you standing next to her? Yeah. Did you start to take off your coat? Well, I was just going to when this man stepped out of this closet here. How far? Oh, here. Yeah, yeah, right here. None what? Well, he held the gun in his hand and asked how much money we had, and Elizabeth said we didn't have much. From here? Yeah, but, but, but she turned around. Like this? Yeah, that's it. What happened then? Well, then I said I haven't got very much, but I'll give you what we have, and started shooting. Yeah, but you said before that your wife started looking in her purse. Uh, yeah, that's it. She did. I forgot. And that made him think she was going after a gun. How do you know? Well, I, I suppose that's what he thought. He shot, and Elizabeth fell on the bed. I pulled out my gun and started shooting, and the man ran out the door, and that's all. That's exactly what happened, huh? Just as I remember it. Will I help you? Not very much. What's the matter? Well, if you were standing where I am, there'd be bullet holes on uh, that side of the room there, wouldn't it? They're all on this side. I see. I, I got it. Come with me. Where are you going? On the roof. What for? I want to show you something. Uh, it's raining. There are two umbrellas in the closet. I'll get them. Why do you want to go up there? I, I think I know where that gun might be hidden. I'll bet it's there. Here, you take this umbrella. Thanks. We'll take this one, Captain. Let's go. I bet it's up there. We'll find it. Hey, you got your flashlight, Ben? Yeah. Should be around here somewhere. What? The mattress. My wife used to take sun baths on it. Where would it be? Well, just about here. I don't see any. You sure it's up here? I bet it's on the next roof. Didn't you say Kane lived in that hotel? He probably moved it. Hey. Flash your light over there behind that elevator shaft. There? Yeah, there. You see it? We have to climb over this parapet to get on the other roof. Watch it, Captain. It's pretty slippery. Oh. Okay. Man, it is slippery. This mattress here? That's it. Take a look, Joe. Right. No, nothing here. Did you look all around there? Did you look in the corners? No. Well, that'd be a good place to hide a gun, don't you think? Here, let me see. Might be a hole cut in one of them. No, maybe the other corner. No. Well, maybe this one. Yeah, you see the mattress has been cut. No. No, it's... It's got to be here. Where is it? It's, it's here, I tell you. It's here. I know it's here. I'll find it. I'll find it. You wait. You'll see. I'll get it. I know it's here. I'll find it. You wait, I'll get it. I'll get it. It's getting wet, Joe. We got the 38 Kane told us about it. 
You ready to talk? Yeah. Insurance. That why you did it? Yeah. I'm a sick man. Let's go, Benham. On your feet. All right. They played that ball game the other day. Yeah? Who won? Pirates, eight to seven. Sure do like baseball. Must be a real nice business. Yeah. Fans only yell if they never do it. What's that? Kill the umpire. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On July 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 89, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to extra mild Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the king-size cigarette that is extra mild. Extra mild because it contains the fine. Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild, to give it a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Thomas Kane was convicted of second-degree murder and received a term as prescribed by law. Theodore V. Benham was convicted of first-degree murder and assault with a deadly weapon. He received a life sentence and died in prison one year later. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Get this and get it straight. Crime's a sucker's road. And those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn. This one had soft brown eyes and an accent, and she came to town with a job to do. But before it was done, death had struck three times. Then she was gone. And all because of 30 drops of pigeon's blood, worth 150,000 bucks. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of mystery, comes his most famous character and crime's most deadly enemy as we present The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. With Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Pigeon's Blood. At five o'clock of any weekday afternoon, the lobby of the started building in downtown Los Angeles is a mess of milling office workers. So I was ten impolite minutes peering into chattering faces before I found my new client, Charlene Danielle. When she called me an hour ago, her slight French accent had been coated with worry as she identified herself as an illustrator for a fashion magazine with offices in the building and said that she needed help. 
She was huddled in a shadowed far corner of the lobby like a frightened puppy going through his first thunderstorm. When I was close to her, she stepped into the light and hurriedly took my arm. I am glad you didn't disappoint me, Mr. Marlowe. Come along, please, quickly. There's a bar just across the lobby where we can talk. All right. Come along, please. It's already late. Soft, lustrous hair that was shingled into a thousand short curls which kept running into one another framed a beautiful face. And a wisp of a smile that never seemed to leave her lips labeled her gentle people. I couldn't quite get over it. When we were inside the bar and seated at the table, she was still talking. I was still thinking how lovely she was. Mr. Marlowe. Mr. Marlowe, are you listening? Hmm? Oh, yes, of course I am. Yes. Now, what I want you to do is simple but very, very important. It, it must be done at once. It... Easy, easy, honey. That's not going to help any. Now, one step at a time. What is it, Charlie? I'm sorry. It's a terrible man named Marty Loomis. He lives here in Los Angeles on North Rossmore Street, number 7710, mm. a private house. He is the one who had the collection stolen from Vivian's father. I know he is... Hey, 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 wait a minute. Whoa. Slow around the corners, huh? Now, first of all, what's the collection of? Rubies, Mr. Marlowe. Rare pigeon blood rubies. Uh Exquisite ones. The 30 of them worth at least, the very least, $150,000. Tell me, are all the rubies as lovely as you are? Please, Mr. Marlowe. Okay, okay. Who's Vivian? My best friend, the girl I grew up with in Lyon. She's still in France, but I got out before the war to Mexico and Penada. Some friends at the Riviera Pacifico helped me to get to California. Vivian and her father, Maurice Chardot, an old man now. They lost everything they had, family, a home, their business. And then they had only the rubies left. It should bring us to this guy Loomis, huh? It does. Mr. Marlowe, he was in France only last month, a guest in the Chardot home. A charming American businessman who was going to buy the rubies. But I just wouldn't say when. Tell me, Charlene, did anybody actually see him take the stones? No, but uh. there's no doubt that he did it, Mr. Marlowe. He was one of the few persons who knew where Monsieur Jardot kept them. What about the police? Oh, no, no, Mr. Marlowe, not yet. Only when we know that Loomis still has the stones, when we know where the rubies are. You see, any hurried arrest would only mean that the jewels would be gotten rid of, gone forever. Why isn't Vivian here, uh, Monsieur Jardot? I told you, he is an old man, a broken man, and they are penniless. The rubies were going to be sold. That's why this, this Loomis was visiting with them. Now, please, Mr. Marlowe, can you do this for me? Can you find out where the jewels are? It, it would mean so much if we can return them. So much. Yeah. Where can I find you later, Charlene? I live at the Bradford Arms. The telephone number is Sunset 10229. 10229. Now, hmm? now, what is your fee, Keith? Well, I... We'll talk about it later, huh? All right. You are kind. I I only hope that later isn't too far away. For Monsieur Jadot's sake? Why why yes, for for everybody's sake. Good luck. Uh, somehow or another I managed to stop at all the red lights and go on all the green ones and not hit anyone all the way from downtown LA where I'd left Charlene. Up into Hollywood and over to Marty Loomis's house at 7710 North Rossmore. Parking a half a block away, I stood looking at the rambling White House, vintage 1915. I was startled into action by a wiry, white-haired old boy in search of a match. After a quick servicing job, I moved up to the door. As I knocked on a massive display of aging oak, I decided that Marlowe should play the role of crooked jeweler to ease the entrance. When the door finally opened and an ox in shiny blue surge answered, I wasn't too happy with my choice of roles. A big club would have been better. Yeah? What do you want? Marty Loomis. Is he in? Who's asking questions? 
the name's Becker. Mutual friend recommended me to him. Does uh, Lefty know about this? He should. Why don't you ask him? Okay. Come on in. Relax while I find out. Thanks. Any place in particular? Yeah. Flat on your big mouth. And don't bother going for your gun. I'll, I'll do it for you. Ah. Nice 38 at that. Now your wallet. <laughs> Lefty. <laughs> Thought you were picking up your cue fast, didn't you, Mr... Oh, Marlowe, huh? Private detective. What were you thinking about when you bit, Big Mouth? Something nice and calico? You're warm, Buster. My mistake. Where do we go from here? You? No place. Till I make a phone call. Excuse me, big jerk. Westwood 9903. Yeah. My my number? Uh, Gladstone, uh, 2742. This won't take long, Marlowe, than you and I get that. Oh, hello, Tony. Oh, it's Chalky. No, no, I looked every place. No, honey, I, I tell you the stuff just ain't here, but something else is. A private dick named Marlowe. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably one of that stinking Slater's boys. But you don't have to worry about Marlowe. So long, babe. Your mother, Chalky? Listen, louse, I got one question to ask you, and I want a straight answer fast. You working for Zig Slater? I don't remember. Well, that's too bad. You know, I might have to get nasty if you don't cooperate. Doesn't much make any difference whether I cooperate or not. Let's face it, huh, Chucky? All right. Let's do it. Just... Big Mouth. time I sorted my legs out from those that belonged to the coffee table, Chalky was gone. But in his wake, there were three things that a very fast, superficial search revealed. My gun in the hall outside, empty, next to the door, my wallet intact. And near the overturned coffee table, a pawn ticket from the Ryan Loan Company, corner Hill and Eighth. Receipt for one gray topcoat, right sleeve ripped, allowing $7.50. I dropped it in my pocket, then put through a call to one lieutenant he borrowed, police headquarters. In a few minutes, I knew that Zig Slater was a fence who had done time twice on stolen property charges and at present could be found in or around a shop on La Cienega Boulevard near Melrose, where he sold, of all things, tropical fish. I hung up and started out of the door of my car. But in less than 50 feet, I knew I wasn't alone. My shadow was the shock of white hair who earlier had stopped me for a match. It was his turn to be surprised when I suddenly wheeled, grabbed at both his lapels, and shook him out. What are you doing? No, run, my pop. Believe me, I just want to rearrange your model. No, now, listen, so when you start talking, it comes out straight. Now, why are you following me? And don't tell me you need me another match. Come on. I, I, I'm calling you because I, I, I want to warn you. About what? Uh, a giant of a man I just saw near your car. In a beat-up blue surge, maybe? Yeah, 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 that's right. You see, I, I live across the street, and after you gave me that match, I took my regular evening walk. But when I got back, I, I saw this man, this, this giant. He, he was going to let the air out of your tires, I know, but I stopped him. Yes, sir. I yelled at him real loud, and he ran away. He he cursed me first. Oh. Now, now, aren't you sorry you shook me like you did? Yeah, I am. I'd let you shake me back, but there isn't time, Pop. Well, no matter, fella. I guess I can figure it all right. I mean, the way you're acting must be a beautiful girl behind there someplace. Always is. Right? Right. Just to make sure she stays that way, you'll excuse me, but i got to see a man about some tropical fish. So long, Pop. <laughs> Zig Slater's place on La Cienega was three walls, lined almost solid with bubbling tanks that were home for the kind of 
screwy-looking fish that made you wonder what they could possibly see with a bad case of DTs. Slater was small and slight with black darting eyes that were too large for the rest of his face, which was prune-winkled, shaped like a Coke bottle, and had all the come-hither look of an octopus. He was on the phone. It wasn't until I was close enough to hear the number he was after that I was glad he was having trouble. Because it was the same digit arrangement that Chalky had called earlier. And prefixed Westwood as well. No, operator, I did not call 9933. It was Westwood 9903. That's right. All three, yeah. Stupid people. Hello, Toby. It's Ziggy, darling. Where have you been? I tried to reach you half a dozen times. A walk, oh. Well, look, baby. You meet me over... Wait a minute. Lost something, mister? Uh... Why, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I have. One of my twin uh, uh, sword tails died. I was just admiring yours here. I'd, I'd like to buy one. I'll be right with you. Oh. Uh, meet me at the blue chip in 30 minutes, huh, sweet? Now, don't worry, I'm, I'm a little bit late. i got a few things to do first. Right. Goodbye, baby. Uh, sword tails, mister, are $1.10, $1.35, and $1.80. What'll it be? What? They started at $1.10? Uh-huh. At the last place, I only paid 90 cents for a sword tail. Good one, too. Then maybe you'd better go back to the last place, huh? Well, maybe I had. Good night, sir. I was outside in my car and pointed toward the blue chip, which was an ex-speakeasy on Santa Monica Boulevard that had quite never gotten over it. I knew that I had something to work on before it was time to call Charlene and report that so far I had located neither the Rubies nor Marty Loomis. With luck, I could have words with Toby at the blue chip before Slater arrived. So 20 minutes later, when I was there and seated at an all-alone table for two, drink in front of me, I looked up at the sound of high heels clicking toward me and the five and a half feet of blonde that grew out of them in wraparound suede. When I called Toby by name and she pivoted like she was built on a hinge, I was back in business. I don't know you. What do you want? If it's handy, Chalky's telephone number. Chuck, You're Marlowe, aren't you? Yeah, as in private detective you ordered bounced around. Now, let's not waste any more of each other's time, Toby. Where's Marty Loomis? I'm oh, sorry. I never heard of him. Or the pigeon blood rubies? Who are you working for, Marlo? Don't you remember? I'm one of Slater's boys. You're a liar. Not a double-crosser, Toby. Well, well, what do you mean by that? When you're on the phone with Chalky, Brother Ziggy is referred to as the stinking Slater. When Slater's on with you, it's sugar and spice all the way around. Which means what? That you're not even close to being on the level with one of them. I discount Chalky because his kind, you hire, pay, and forget. When the job's done, Marlo, so behave. He's right outside that back door. It's a little thoughtless of you, isn't it, Toby? Lad's top coats in hockey might catch cold. That I'd hate to see. I'll bet. Now look, Marla, once more. What are you after? One rubies, two Marty Loomis. And if I can't help you find either of them? Then I go to Slater. On whose behalf? My client who represents the real owner of the stone. Named what? It escapes me, Toby. Let's just call her a lovely lady from France, huh? From France? Hmm. <laughs> For a minute I thought you were on the side of law and order. What's this different? Marty Loomis is dead, Marlowe. Has been all night in the closet of his study at 7710 North Rossmore. What? And just so you don't miss a point, one thing more. I found the body. But first, outside, I found something else. Running away, it was a girl, Marlowe. A girl with a French accent. In just a moment, the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first... For those who delight in the fast action and faster thinking that thwart the evildoer, CBS brings you three outstanding examples every Sunday. The Green Llama brings you the adventures of wealthy young Jethro Dumont, who uses his knowledge of the mysterious East 
to combat evil doings on this side of the Pacific. Call the police summons police commissioner Bill Grant to trail the objectionable offender and bring him to justice. Sam Spade, well, what need to enlarge upon the extraordinary exploits of Dashiell Hammett's brilliant private eye, hero of the Maltese Falcon and many other crime classics. You can find these thrilling examples of mystery, adventure, delight every Sunday on most of these CBS stations. And now with our star, Gerald Moore, we return to the second act of Philip Marlowe and tonight's story, The Pigeon's Blood. And Toby said French-accented rocked me right back on my heels. I stood there with my mouth open, trying to reconcile death in a closet with the soft, deep brown of Charlene's eyes. While the blonde in front of me twisted her mouth into a victorious smile as tender as a cobra's. I got up and went out the front way, dragging what was left of my pride behind me. I had to know the truth about Charlene, so I called her. She answered on the first ring, and I made my pitch. I said I thought I knew where the rubies were hidden and told her to meet me at 7710 Rossmore. And I drove to Rossmore and waited, and five minutes later, a cab stopped down the street. And she got out. So I went to meet her. Marlo, is that you? Yeah. Come on, this way, Charlene. Are they here, Marlo? In this house, the rubies, I mean. We'll find out, baby. Come on. But you Side said... door's open. I said I wasn't sure, and I'm not. Got a lot of things. Hey, watch the stairs. This should lead to the study. Yes. You still with me? I'm coming. Yeah. This is it. Oh. Okay, Charlene. Now, if I've been lied to, this is the place to check. We'll start with that closet there. The closet? Yes, open it up. Go on, open it. All right, I... No, no, I can't, I you can't. can't because I... you already know what's inside, don't you? Well, I'll open it. No, 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 no. Oh. Oh, I, I didn't do it. I didn't... You know he was there, so he must have been in here before. Yes, yes, I was. I admit it. I tried to see Lomas myself this afternoon. I, I followed him downtown, but I lost him. When I got back here, I came in and I, I found him like that. I didn't know what to do. I, I called you, but then I lied to you because I was afraid. And you're still afraid, so maybe you're still lying. No, no, this time is the truth. I swear. All of it? You're not holding anything back? I, no, no, that's all of it. Oh, Phil, please don't force me. Please, you must trust me. Um, what was that? What was what? I, I thought I heard a door close. I, I must be jumpy. I guess, may I have a cigarette? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you dropped something. Hmm? Why, why, it's a pawn ticket. Oh, yeah, it's my brains, can't you tell? The Ryan Loan Company, corner Hill Street and 8th. At Hill and 8th. Don't worry about it, Charlene. It's not mine. Belongs to a guy named Chalky, who had to hock his winter wardrobe to keep himself in hamburgers. Forget it. You want that cigarette or not? Not now. Come on, Phil. Let's get out of this room. Come on, please. I... Phil, there is someone here. A shadow moved on that wall over the back hall. Hey, you're right. Listen, you beat it out that side door. Go back to your hotel and wait there. I'll see who this is. I want to stay with you. Oh, now, get out of here. I, hurry, I, hurry. Be careful, Jimmy. All right, creep. Crawl out of the woodwork. Come on. I know you're present because you left your shadow sticking out. Right about here. Ow! Well, well. Slimy little sword tail salesman himself. <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, I'll tell you, Marlowe, I'm just... So you got my name, too, huh? And more. From a short talk with a platinum blonde named Toby. Who are you fencing for, Slater? Her or Loomis? Fencing? You find things out, don't you? Well, I didn't want to do it. I've been going straight since I got paroled, but legitimate business has been lousy. So when Loomis wanted you to arrange a deal, you took him up, huh? Yeah, but right away it got too hot. I had it all set until that blonde started cutting in on Loomis. I don't go for that. Nobody's got a chance in a double cross. For instance, I know what's in the closet, see? And Toby's the one that put him there. She told me. Toby killed him? 
Does she have the stones? I don't know. I guess so. Because she was trying to make me go through with the deal. But I turned her down. Then I had to sap that gorilla Chalky to get away. Ah, it's good, but it won't fit, Slater. Why'd you come back here? To clean up the joint. With my record, all it would take is for my phone number, even my initials to turn up here and I'm cooked. Where does Toby live? If I tell you, will you give me a break? You'll tell me anyway and faster. I'll give you a break on the side of your head. Let's have a talk. Okay, okay. 3156 South Ogden Drive, Apartment C. Now, how about it, pal? Will you forget you saw me here? You louse, you're whining because things got tough. If they hadn't, you'd be getting calluses from counting money. You're a crummy spider, Slater, so stay out of my way. Because next time we meet, I'll step on you. The little man rolled his big head up at me and grinned. I looked at it a minute, then shoved it hard to one side and walked out. The way things stood, I figured the next move, which was mine, had to be first a call to the police to report Loomis's murder, and second a fast pressure play on a faster blonde named Toby. But I was wrong on both counts because I was halfway to my car when I found out the next move wasn't mine at all. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught a shadow easing toward me under the cover of the hedge. It was the white-haired duffer again, and the setup was just like before. So I saw no reason why the same maneuver wouldn't work twice. I slowed down to give him plenty of time. When I was sure he was right behind me, I turned fast and swung! At <laughs> thin air. How many times do you think you can pull that stunt, son? Okay, it was my mistake. Yes, it was. And don't move because my gun goes off. I want to ask you a few things. I don't feel talkative. Who are you? What's your racket, son? Philip Marlowe, private detective. What's yours? That doesn't happen to be any of your business, son. Let's just say I'm looking for one Vivian Jardot. Happen to know where she is? Vivian Jardot? Sure. Right now she's in France. Lyon, to be specific. Yeah, she's in France right now, like you're in Madagascar. Save yourself trouble, son. Where is she? You know, you wouldn't know the truth if it fell on you. What's your angle, Marlowe? Oh, come on. Let's not be coy. It's the same as yours. A fistful of rubies. <laughs> well, now, you don't say. And I suppose that's why Vivian Jardot's been following Loomis around all afternoon. Vivian again. You won't turn loose, will you? Now, listen, son. The Jardot dame is here in town. I happen to know she hopped off a Norwegian freighter. I finally picked her up right here. She was tagging Loomis, and I tagged her. We played Ring Around the Rosie, clear downtown. I lost them in a traffic jam, but I picked up Loomis again for a few minutes at the corner of Hill and Eight. The Jardot girl, well, I lost Wait a minute. Did you say Loomis was at Hill and Eight? Yes, that's right. Why? I know a guy will give six bucks for a gray top coat on that corner. So what? So whoever said you can't teach an old dog new tricks was nuts. That one's called slap the pistol and bust the old geezer. Sorry, Pop, it had to be. I got business that won't keep. So long. I ran my car, piled in, and headed down Wilshire Boulevard wide open. Because anyway, I looked at it, Ryan's porn parlor at Hill and Eighth was home plate, and the time I'd spent gathering with Pop... There was a good chance that blood was already being spilled on an old gray top coat with a lining full of rubies. And when I remembered Charlene had walked out with a pawn ticket with that coat in her hand, I got a little sick. When I got to Hill and Eighth, I spotted Ryan's place squeezed into a four-foot crevice between two tall buildings and dark inside. I cut my lights apart, reloaded my thirty-eight, and walked up the alley to the back door. It was standing open a foot, and inside a flashlight was lying on a table while moving in and out of its beam as she clawed through a rack of second-hand top coats with Charlene. Had her feet face up on the floor with a nasty gash over one eye. It was a man who no doubt used to answer to the name of Ryan. I eased the door open another foot and went in. I got as far as the glow of light before she saw me. Oh, no, no, I just slug him, honey. You had the ticket. You could have just... She couldn't slug him, Marlowe. I did. Slater. Yeah, don't turn around. Just toss your gun back here. Come on. That's it. Well, it takes care of everybody now. They're all here so we can get back to work. Aren't you forgetting Toby and a trained ape? No, Toby can't make it. And Chalky won't without her. She's 
she can't make it because she's dead. I found a nice closet for her, too. Oh, I told you a fib when I said she killed Loomis. I did that for both of them. Because they were double-crossing me. They were cutting me out of my own deal, and they were laughing about it. I can't stand to have people laughing. It's my fault, Phil. I, I didn't wait for you. When I when I realized that Loomis had pawned the coat and not that choke here, I was sure that he had hidden the rubies in it for safekeeping, so I came here and now... And so I... did I, and I caught her. Then I set a little trap for the big, strong man who steps on little spiders. Now you, which coat is it? This one? No, no, I, I, I don't... Oh, so it is this one. Well, give it to me. No, no, you can't take it. Stay away from me, Give you... me that. Darlene, don't be a fool. Let him have the coat. No, the rubies in it are mine. They belong to my father. I came halfway around the world to get them and to take them home, and I won't give them up to this, this grotesque, ugly what? little man. What did I you won't. say when you... He's hit, but... He sure is, son. The door here was as open as an invitation to the old-timers' picnic. I've been listening. Now, don't move now, either one of you. 